Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, we dive back into the seedy underworld of Stardew Valley. Scars, depression, substance abuse, and an, an exploration of the inevitable degradation of spiritual clarity in a capitalistic society. What a fun farming simulator, am I right? Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And we're back. We've made it. We are back. We're back on the farm. We're under the hot, hot sun. We've got tools and, 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 and uh, harvests. And puppies. And puppies. You <laughs> promised the puppy, and it's there. And puppies. <laughs> and also a bunch of other stuff that honestly didn't need to be in a farming game, but totally, totally is and is awesome. It's awesome is one word for it, yes. <laughs> uh, it is interesting to say the least. Uh, so, Leo, I'm excited to be back in the Valley with you. It's been too long. Yeah. We did a number of Stardew Valley episodes last year, and I was a big fan of those. We explored the festivals. We explored all the eligible bachelors and bachelorettes. We explored some of the like deep cut Stardew Valley lore that you might miss if you just come into it thinking it's a farming simulator. <laughs> and also that you might miss if you play the game for a while and don't do your own digging. Like, honestly, that's still one of my favorite episodes of Lord Party, period. Just because there is so much lore to this game that you would miss if you just, like, played it and had fun. And you're like, wow, I made it to year six. And I'm like, Linus is God. And you're like, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So if exactly. you haven't heard those stuff episodes, like that might totally go over your head. Yeah, right. It's they're not they're not heavy handed with some of those things. Um, if you haven't heard those, go back and listen. They're fun. Yeah, definitely go back and listen to those. And today is actually going to be a little bit more of that. Uh, I felt like we came to this topic for today because we're both very intimately familiar with the darker side of ourselves, I'd say. <laughs> right. Yeah, And we wanted to explore the darker side of the valley. So we did a little bit of digging and we explored more of the lore and stuff that we haven't covered in previous episodes. And we dug up some like, honestly, like pretty dark stuff that's there if you look for it. And if you interact with certain characters or have certain events take place, you'll see some pretty dark and seedy things happen in the valley. And it's, again, a cheery looking, bright, sunny, happy Outward-facing farming simulator has so much more depth to it and tackles some pretty heavy topics. So we're going to get into some of those character stories and some of those darker topics today that you can come across in the Valley. And I would say that like some of these things, I definitely, more so than our first episode about Stardew, like I had a kind of sense for some of these things, like when we'll talk about uh, Pam a little bit later and like right. a little bit of like the secrecy and the sort of... Uh, you know, abandoned ch children and and weird things that happen in this game. 
I had a sense that there was some darker stuff, but if, as an example, if Pam were just the like lovable drunk, then that'd be fine. But a lot of what we're about to talk about is like how each person's story and their weaknesses and the nature of some of the secrets are so developed it makes it like too real (laughs) and like right so so much darker right like like oh a little white lie is fine but if the white lie is like i murdered a man who like was innocent right it's like oh shit (laughs) exactly like on first impression if you talk to pam like once in your stardew valley career you might think like okay she's just the lovable drunk in town but you get to know her more, you learn more about her and her relationship to Penny, and it suddenly takes a left turn, and it goes from, like, harmless drunk to, oh, wow, this is an alcoholic person who's dealing with some really heavy depression and uh, some really heavy addiction. So, yeah, those are the types of things we're going to get into today. Um, let's actually put a pin in Pam for a second. We are going to get to her, and we'll deep dive into her story. We had chosen to start off today's episode three specific characters in uh, Pelican Town that we wanted to talk about. And we dubbed these three characters the sad romantics. Marlon, Clint, and Marnie. Tell me about them, Leo. Yeah. Tell me all about them. <laughs> well, let's, let's start uh, simple. Clint, right? Now, Clint is someone who, you know, you interact with him a lot. He's, he's a necessary part of the, um, like, building your equipment and and in general kind of working your way towards this uh this this functioning farm and you interact with him a lot and you definitely like i i knew that he didn't that he likes emily but doesn't have the courage to approach her and if you if you as the as the farmer kind of come into this world and you're like yo emily what's up and you like marry her in front of him like brutal just brutal Rude. Dance with her in front of Damn. him every year, year after year. Stare him in the eye as you're just twirling her around. Yeah, you know, you're just like, normal stuff. Hey, Clint, <laughs> I have another hoe for you to fix. <laughs> God. Yeah, hand him your hoe and tell him like, oh, I call this one Emily. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a single pixelated tear falls from his little sprite face. Um. So that's that's something that I think a lot of people are aware of, right? Like when you talk to him at these festivals, he'll often mention Emily. And that's sad. It's kind of this unrequited love. He's lonely. He's not he's not like uh, he doesn't have that that partnership or that that company that he wants. But you you yeah, found and a really I think in addition I think in addition to just him having this crush on Emily, the thing that's even sadder to me is that he doesn't have the self-esteem to even bring himself to talk to her, let alone, you know, ask her out on a date. Right. And I think that's the set. That's the part. That's like the double-edged sword of that. It's like, oh, haha, like this lonely guy likes a girl, won't approach her. But <laughs> he won't approach her because he, he basically thinks he's not good enough for her. Like he, she is out of his league. And I think that's just so sad. Yeah. A brutal depth to that fun little quirk that like definitely wasn't necessary and makes it way more real. Um, but you also found a quote that I actually hadn't encountered in my playthrough about how why he became a blacksmith. Yeah, yeah. So in my 200 plus hour playthrough of Stardew Valley, <laughs> I have yet to encounter this, which is crazy, crazy to think that I've poured so much of my life into this game 
And this one line that tells us so much about Clint never came up. So during my research, I found that if you talk to Clint, he may say, quote, I'm only a blacksmith because my father pushed me into it, end quote. That one sentence tells us so much about like his self-esteem issues, how he perceives himself, how he found himself in this small little town as the town's blacksmith, just because his dad made him. Yeah. He's like, he's like, his whole life is on tracks that he didn't determine. Like he, like he didn't decide to be a blacksmith. He didn't decide to be alone. It's just that this is his life and he's going through the motions, just upgrading your tools. (laughs) Yeah. And in a way, like he couldn't stand up to his dad and make a choice for himself for his life. And now as a grown man, that trajectory continues he can't stand up for himself and approach emily and choose a course in his life that'll make him happy and i think that's just so sad but it also fits his character so well you know and again a line that you may play 200 hours of this game and (laughs) never come across crazy to think but it it, it's it defines his character so much and it really speaks to like what if you invest your time in certain things in the game you will just never encounter these things so the next one that I want to talk about is Marnie and Mayor Lewis. Now, oh boy, yeah, this is one that it's very early on. You're you're you are handed a hint that this is going on because Mayor Lewis has you um, fetch his special shorts, uh, which is his like purple shiny underwear that are for some reason ooh, in a uh, Marnie's house or Marnie's place. Hey, I know. Well, so this is this is the thing. On a very basic level, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of fun that these two townsfolk have this thing going on. But when you go further into it, and I've pulled a couple of direct quotes from Marnie. So once you are past a certain friendship with Marnie, like six plus hearts, she'll start saying things like, I wonder if, and this is a quote, I wonder if Mr. Lewis gets lonely in that big house of his. It seems so empty in there, doesn't it? Which is like hmm. pretty, you know, she's sitting there, she's in behind her desk, like daydreaming. Um, she'll she'll also very rarely daydreaming say daydreaming about something. She's she's daydreaming about those shorts or what's underneath them, right? <laughs> uh, he's looking for his gavel. No, he's he's a mayor, not a judge. Anyway, uh <laughs> there's uh, there's apparently, and I, I've never encountered this. Um have you have you heard this quote from the when you when you enter her shop? I haven't heard this quote, and I think there's a very small percentage of even hearing this quote, right? Yeah, it's 0.01% chance. And I, I know for oh a my fact gosh. that I had never heard it, but like, that's really, it's a shocking, tiny thing. So if you walk into her shop, there's a 0.01% chance, apparently, for her to say, quote, sigh, when the door opened, I thought it might be Lewis. And now she's like, not even using his title. She's like, oh, Lewis. So, so that that's all lovely and that's fine and clearly it's kind of it's a secret there no one talks about it when where this starts getting a little bit darker is when you start looking into one element of this relationship which is that at the flower dance she has this quote where she says sigh love is in the air and i'm still single which is like kind of an interesting thing right like yeah this is regardless of your friendship level with her. This isn't like you're her best friend and she's like, oh, let me like confide in you. She's like saying this <laughs> out loud at like a public dating festival. 
and she's like, "Ugh, still single." Uh, doesn't really imply that she's super satisfied with whatever's going on, right? Like, clearly they have an arrangement; it's fine. And there's an event. There's a six heart event that I've never seen, but that only happens if you are six hearts or above with both Mayor Lewis and Marnie. On a sunny day, you enter the town between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m., and you appear behind Lewis's house. Lewis and Marnie are talking by the river about making their romance public. Lewis says it would undermine uh, undermine his authority, while Marnie says he's too concerned for his job. Uh, in the end, she says that she'll keep their relationship a secret. Afterwards, you pop up and scare them both. Uh, Lewis asks you if you heard anything, and you can actually say then, uh, yes, like, I heard that you're in a relationship, and I'll keep it a secret, which rewards you with 50 points, 50 friendship points with Lewis. Or you can say, yes, I heard, and I'm going to tell everyone, which is a negative 100 friendship effect on your relationship mm. with Lewis. Now, if you choose to keep the secret, Lewis will thank you. If you say you'll tell everyone in town, Lewis will cry. Uh, afterwards, Marnie will ask why you were behind the house, and your character runs away, leaving them confused. So, Ah, classic. Okay. I know. Just typical farming game. So what I wanted to point out about this event is beyond the fact that it's interesting that it's fully like acknowledged and this is no longer like you're putting two and two together. This is straight up. They're having a conversation about what should we take our relationship public? Now, Marnie is saying, let's be and you're being too concerned with your job. And she's again, she, this is the woman who's like at, at the flower festival going, oh, I'm still single and sad about it. And she's saying, I want people to know, or I, I don't want to have this as a secret. And he's saying it would affect his job. And what really drives this home for me is that if you say you're going to tell everyone, Lewis cries, but your friendship with Marnie isn't affected. So yeah, when it comes down to it, like Marnie is in this arrangement with Lewis. She's not happy. There's like multiple points of evidence to indicate that she's not happy. She is so unhappy about it. She brings it up to him. He's like, nah, keep it a secret. And she's like, okay, <laughs> I will. Yeah. And, and there's a difference of power here, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Mayor Lewis is the mayor of this town and Marnie is one of the citizens and she doesn't hold any political sway in the town. And her, I guess, quote unquote career is to just run this farm. Not that that's easy. I would know. My million-dollar farm takes quite <laughs> the work day in and day out. Yeah. But again, in, in the world of politics and in, the, in, the lar in a larger sense like of governing the valley, the mayor's got to keep up appearances. The governor's going to show up once a year, right, during the luau. There's definitely a difference of power here. Marnie feels like in this relationship, she has less power. And Mayor Lewis, because of his status, it seems to me, feels like he can control the direction of this relationship. That's really sad. That's, that's not how relationships should work. And again, if you're like me and you think Marnie is your competition in town, so you ignore her, <laughs> you will just, at the surface level, <laughs> at the surface level, all you'll see is, oh, it's just a, uh, these two are having a relationship on the side and they're keeping it secret. And you'll never think of it again. Right. For 200 hours as you dominate <laughs> the landscape and try to buy out Marnie's tiny ass farm. <laughs> you just work to you pile drive her as a competitor. You will not think twice about this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> 
as you Jeff Bezos your way through the valley. <laughs> You'll never think about Marnie's relationship and like how she's feeling or if there's anything deeper to it. To you, it's just, oh, the mayor and this woman are, it's not an affair. Both, you know, neither of them are married and uh, both of them are single. They're allowed to mingle. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah. as you said, you befriend both of them. You learn more about that relationship. You see those events happen at the Flower Festival. And you learn that there's a much darker side here and that there's there's a power struggle here and Marnie seems to be losing. Yeah, it's so sad. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Um, the last kind of uh, sad romantic, the last sad romantic that we were going to touch on is is Marlon. Poor, poor old Marlon. Uh, Marlon. Sweet, clearly used to be like Link from Legend of Zelda, but is now like <laughs> old shopkeeper <laughs> who just hangs out with his friend Gil the yeah, currency from a final fantasy took out his fucking eye yeah yeah right and he wears an eye patch and you're like oh fun eye patch no lost his eye in the mines lost his eye in the place where you go to like do chores for him like he's like you know it makes me wonder like is he saying you know kill this many bats because we need population control on these monsters and i can't do it anymore i don't have depth perception <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like, I I can't fire the damn slingshot anymore. Someone's got to do it. Yo, you know, there's only so much I can do perceiving only two dimensions. Like, I can't. <laughs> my sword swings come up short. <laughs> the, the, Leo, do you know how eyes work? <laughs> <laughs> listen, I have never lived as a one-eyed person, uh, but I do know. Neither have I. I do know that it makes it hard if you only have one eye to gauge distance uh stereoscopic vision helps so in any case he he lost his eye in the mines and he has a bad leg we don't really hear much about this and there is one little thing and this kind of ties back to what we were just talking about with marnie at the flower dance he will say marnie looks lovely today he's he's out there he shows up and he's his you know he's only got the one eye but his one eye is is seeing seeing what marnie's putting down and he during the during the flower dance he stands off to the side right like he's one of the one of the few characters again alongside clint alongside uh linus who usually don't participate or are found like in the center of the action during these festivals these people are either sort of secluded in one area or they're just talking to one person you don't really see them interact they're not extroverted crowd people like get me in there i want to be part of the actions and marlin here i think is to the side of the festival he's sad he's looking at marnie marnie's sad she's looking at lewis and it's just it's a very similar situation to clint here i think i think because of maybe his physical deformities or because of the way his body's been damaged and mistreated through his many adventures defeating ganon <laughs> he you know <laughs> I don't think he feels like he can approach someone like Marnie, who's a very wholesome, uh, you know, woman in this town running this farm and maybe has never left the farm in her life. Yeah. And I, I think it's another sad situation of low self-esteem and just not feeling like you're good enough to approach someone and even speak to them, let alone ask them out on a date. Right. Interesting stuff. So we have our three sad uh, musketeers, the, the, the romantics who can't quite find their way to uh to a happily ever after um and there are so many more that we chose not to talk about but those are the three that we focused on and then we have and this is my favorite uh group name that you came up with 
Uh, <laughs> I was proud of this one. It was. It's really. It's good. Uh, you wanna. You wanna hit the hit the listeners with it. Yeah. So the next two people that we wanted to talk about in Pelican Town, I uh, affectionately named the Bumbling Boomers, and the two here we want to touch on are Pam. We already sort of talked about this at the top of the episode, and the second one we want to talk about is George. Let's talk about the big one first. Let's talk about Pam. Yeah. Again, we said earlier at the start of the episode. You find out pretty early that uh, she likes to go to the saloon in town. You can find her there almost every night. And when you talk to Gus, who's the owner of the saloon, he will even tell you that Pam has a drinking problem. She has a tab that she hasn't paid off, and she's constantly there. If you talk to Penny and romance her like I did, one of the items that she hates receiving is anything alcoholic. Yeah. And I think that's so tragic. And I think Pam's almost, like you said, at the start, she comes off as this like, haha, like the kind of funny, bumbling, drunk in town. And then you realize, oh, wait, this is an actual addiction. This is a problem. She's dealing with more than just the alcohol. Right. Like, there are times when you go into the saloon and you go to talk to her and it says, quote, Pam seems out of it. Better leave her alone right now. Or, quote, Pam isn't responding. And this is like a nightly thing for her. So if it were just that she were like the, you know, I I remember playing um, Harvest Moon back in like the days of like Nintendo 64. And I played earlier ones and I've played later ones, but I remember really liking this one uh, townsfolk who liked wine. And I would just like, give her wine all the time like that was her preferred gift and i remember thinking like oh it's kind of fun she likes to drink she can drink that's cool you know and that was it in the game they didn't explore the ramifications of liking to drink (laughs) as you pointed out gus is like talks about it he's like oh yeah she hasn't paid off her tab it's really it's kind of dark penny has trauma (laughs) around alcohol like and and we'll talk a little bit more later about some more kind of darkness around this topic but it's really it was a decision by concerned ape (laughs) to explore that theme and it's it's dark it's really dark yeah yeah and something like alcohol addiction or any type of addiction right video game addiction um coca-cola addiction abu (laughs) exactly addiction to pop it all stems from... Addiction to calling soda pop, even though no one else in New York calls it pop. Yeah, that's the Midwest in me. <laughs> Shouts to Ohio, I guess. <laughs> I loved Ohio, so... Uh, but addiction in general, uh, you know, from my knowledge of it, usually stems from other issues in your life, right? Like, you don't right. just get addicted to alcohol because that's... You don't want... You don't, nobody wants to get addicted to something. It happens because it is either some sort of reprieve for you or you're escaping some other parts of your life or ignoring some other parts of your life that should be addressed. And instead, you're just sinking yourself in something that makes you feel good or something that is easy. Yeah. And I think that is the source of Pam's sort of alcoholism here. And it's interesting, like you said, that some games treat things like wine and beer as just sort of like... Here, this will make you uh, dizzy for a while in Skyrim. Ha ha, isn't <laughs> right, that funny? Right. And then this game, this <laughs> farming, farming, farming simulator. simulator made by one guy, 
explores like the true depth of addiction and where alcohol alcoholism can stem from. So I think it's really dark, but also honestly a bit of a like more respectful way of treating alcohol in a video game. Like one hundred percent. When it becomes yeah. an addiction, it's a problem. Yeah. So let's move on from Pam and talk about our other bumbling boomer. And this is George. He's in a wheelchair when you meet him. He's in a wheelchair the entire game. So when you first meet him, he comes across as a very sort of stereotypical old angry man, you know, like get off my lawn, sort of just like, right. oh, he's, he's old, he's bitter, he's married to a total sweetheart grandma who bakes you cookies, but you don't really know the source of his bitterness until you befriend him and you begin to learn a bit more about him, about who he is. And you, at one point, once you're at a certain heart level with George, he will tell you that he was paralyzed in a coal mining accident years ago Holy when hell. he dropped a yeah. stick of dynamite. And he's been in, in a wheelchair ever since, and he's quite bitter about it. And I think that that's just, again, a little bit more depth to what is seemingly just like classic cranky old man trying to kick young kids off his lawn. There's more to it. There was an accident. He's bitter about it. And, you know, again, he feels like something's been taken away from his life because of this thing that happened. Well, and even, you know, just to, to rattle off some of these quotes, and to your point, it, the event is, is the six heart event, which is you walk into his house and he's struggling to reach something on a bookshelf, like not, not asking for help, like, not, you know, not, he's just, he's just dealing with the, the ramifications of being in a wheelchair. And as you become friends with him, some of his quotes are things like, I wish my legs worked so I could play catch with Alex. That'll never happen. Uh, <laughs> like, utterly heartbreaking. God. and Heartbreaking. Especially when your kid's a jock. Right. Like, you're, you're proud of, of Alex's kind of accomplishments, and you can't share in his joy. Like, oh, brutal. Yeah. The fact that, again so easy to just have being in a wheelchair a little tidbit about someone that doesn't then have ramifications in their conversations or their history or anything it, it's it's not just he's old and thus he's in a wheelchair it's like this is this is a byproduct of trauma and this terrible accident and is an ongoing source of bitterness and and difficulty which is really again i think a respectful way to treat being wheelchair bound or being like it's not it's not just a fun quality of someone's personality. Like sometimes this is tied to real trauma and it should be taken seriously. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Michael from the Laura Party Podcast Network. I'm the producer and host of Minigame, a podcast that takes a deeper look at the stories of our favorite video games. Every episode is only about five to 10 minutes long and I analyze the themes, characters, and stories in the games we love and highlight games you may never heard of before. Subscribe to Minigame and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you find podcasts. So far in the episode, we've set up some pretty dark character stories, right? Like once you get to know some of these characters, you learn more about Pam's addiction, about George's accident about sort of the power struggle relationship between Mary Lewis and Marnie, these stories continue to play out as you increase your heart levels. Some of them actually have redemption arcs. Some of them have 
sort of mixed conclusions, but we wanted to revisit our characters again, our sad romantics and our bumbling boomers, and let's talk about how some of their stories, wrap up is the wrong word, but <laughs> how their stories uh, come to so a bit of a conclusion, at least in the, in the, uh, within the bounds of the game. Yeah, so when revisiting this conversation about Marnie and specifically that six heart event, like we talked a we talked about the the power dynamic and we talked about clearly she's unhappy and even though you you see this conversation and she agrees that she'll keep it a secret, the ramifications of that six heart event if you tell everybody or if you say you're going to tell everybody is only that Mayor Lewis is upset at you and Marnie isn't negatively affected by that at all. So the, the mayor is telling her that it would affect his authority. But part of me is like, guy, clearly Marnie's not happy. You know, I don't know if you heard, but she's saying that she's single every year <laughs> at this festival. Right, out loud out to loud. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who talks to her, just... Friend, whew, foe, anyone. I am single. And it's like, that's a tree, Marnie. <laughs> uh, so clearly your girl's unhappy. She talked to you about it. And you're like, nah, my job. But except for the one day a year that maybe you're like higher up is in town to like eat the soup that maybe your underwear's in, who's to say? Like, <laughs> other than that one day a year, do you not trust the villagers to like be okay with you not being alone? <laughs> like, right. What is that crazy? Like, what do you value more? The like possibility of someone like raising their eyebrows at this relationship or like Marnie being happy. Right. The happiness of your partner versus what other people think. Yeah. Like, come on, Mayor Lewis. I'm not voting for this asshole next year. Yeah. Someone someone get like the the person who runs the night cart <laughs> should be mayor or the <laughs> mouse who sells hats. Like that mouse is on the le level, you know? Yeah. That mouse I like his mayor. platform. Hats. <laughs> hats. His platform, <laughs> that abandoned house. <laughs> yeah. And the sad thing is, can, talking about our characters here, Marty has an option. Right. In Marlin. If Marlin could Fucking find old the Link. courage. <laughs> old Link, you took down Ganon and you're not going to approach Marty? Like, if Marlin could just find the courage within himself to realize how beautiful he is, how sexy that eye patch is. And just approach Marnie, I feel like Marnie would leave Mayor Lewis in a heartbeat. Yeah, she has options. And even if she's not aware of them because Marlon's like shooting himself down, like, you know, one of our episodes was what do we hope for in future updates? I would love to see a late game option to like propel Marlon into rescuing Marnie from this shitty emotional abusive relationship. Like, that would be so totally agree. So awesome. <laughs> like like what we'll talk about in a, in a bit, but oh, it would be great. Um, well, and actually, what we'll talk about right now, what happens with Clint? Oh, this is so heartwarming. So this is one arc that actually has a redemption. If you if don't, you like, get... marry Emily <laughs> in front of him. <laughs> yes, if you don't marry Emily and don't name your hoe Emily. <laughs> Then there is a redemption arc for Clint. <laughs> You're like, once you Clint, get to a si I named my child Emily after my wife Emily, <laughs> oh my and then I turned my child into a bird and I let her fly. <laughs> Upgrade my shovel, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he just cries <laughs> just sadly and he's like gland. okay tomorrow <laughs> oh my gosh but if you do manage to get clint to a six heart friendship level there is an event that will play out and it's lovely so at this six heart event you'll find clint watching emily from the bushes weird but bear with me here <laughs> Again, you got to remember, self-esteem issues. He didn't want to be a blacksmith. He's watching <laughs> Emily from the bushes during the Six Heart event. And um, he says to you that he wants to ask Emily out, that he's going to do it. Uh, but he's never gotten further than her doorstep. Again, he's not confident in himself. He can't get himself to ask her out on a date. So you, as the player at this point, actually can threaten Clint by never upgrading your tools. So take away his livelihood. <laughs> What a flex. And threaten never to... Yeah, what a flex. So you can threaten to never upgrade your tools if he doesn't go right now and ask her out. And he begrudgingly agrees. And then there's this really cute scene that plays out where he, he approaches Emily. He's very stumbling. He's awkward. He says, I was wondering if you'd uh, uh, um, go with me tomorrow. Uh, I've got two tickets to the Grampleton Carnival, which, wait a fucking second. I want to go to that. That sounds fun. I know. What the fuck, Clint? I give yeah, you 100% of your business and you can't invite me to this fucking awesome festival? Cool. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Take your take your girl. So he asks ask, asks her out. Would you go with me? And Emily says, yeah, that sounds like fun. And she accepts. And Clint's going to pick her up tomorrow and they're going to go to this carnival. Yo, get it, Clint. But that, I think, is a lovely redemption arc for Clint. I think that closes the loop. You as the player come into this town and you befriend this man who's clearly unhappy, both in his career and in his personal life. But through your friendship, through getting to know him better, you can push him to do the thing that he's afraid of doing and ask out Emily. And hopefully this will result in a budding, happy relationship and will turn his life around. I think that's beautiful. You as the player impact that by the choices you make, by the friendship that you create with him. And that either becomes lore in your universe or it doesn't. And and that's it is, I mean, of course, that's the nature of video games. Like, we have this ability to choose. But it is interesting. Like, that's a significant difference in this player's, in this in this character's life. And it's purely if you chose to do that. And if you got to that level of friendship with him, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's really cool. And it, it's, a, it's a good sign. It's very cool. It, yeah. It's a, it's a good testament to the power of an individual. Yeah. And this actually transitions nicely to our next group again, the Bumbling Boomers. There's another heartwarming tale here with yeah. George. Once you get to his 10 heart event, once you are 10 hearts of friendship with this grumpy old man who slowly opens up to you, tells you about the accident, there is a scene where he says this quote, and I love this quote. George says to you, you know, I shouldn't get too depressed about my legs. I should just be happy that I'm alive. Oh. Beautiful. Yeah. This friendship that he has with you helps him I don't know if, if even come to terms with this accident is even right. Like, I'm sure it's still something that he's bitter about, wished had gone differently. But I think it definitely changes his perspective a bit. He realizes that that accident could have taken his life, right. could have taken the, you know, 20 years, 10 years, whatever he's had with his wife. Right. He could have not had those if that dynamite that blew up had taken more than his legs. And he his perspective changes and he realizes, okay, maybe I should just be happy to be alive. I saw Alex grow up in front of me. I spent more years with my wife. 
and I live in this lovely town and you're my best friend, dude. That's awesome. I think as a player, that's such a heartwarming scene that I'm actually sad that I didn't get in my playthrough because again, over 200 hours, I just assumed uh, he's he's a grumpy old man. I'm just going to ignore him. And I wish I had put in the effort to befriend him because I would have gotten this beautiful heartwarming scene and I as the player would have played whatever small part I could in helping this old man appreciate the life he has and that he's lived. He also has a lot of quotes that are like, I, I had miss, he's like, he acknowledges that he has misgivings about people and misconceptions about people and that your friendship with him is like proving him wrong, right? Like, doesn't he say a couple of things where he's like, you know, I thought people would just write me off as a grumpy old man. Yeah. Yeah. He says that, that that's part of the dialogue you can have with him too. And again, all, all only happens if you befriend him. Meanwhile, you raise those heart levels. Doing this research, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yep. That's what I did. <laughs> I wrote you off as a grumpy old man. Did not right. become great friends with you. Um, you know, but it, so, so beautiful. So let's talk about another instance in which everything you do helps and a person's life is changed positively forever. Just kidding. Let's talk about Pam. Uh, uh, Pam. So th- this is, and to be very clear, like I think Concerned Ape has done a really good job of painting an accurate picture of what a lot of people deal with when they are dealing with substance uh, addiction. Um, so Pam, there, there's a there's a community upgrade that you have the option of buying once you fully upgrade your farm, I think. And effectively, what it allows you to do is um, upgrade the... Uh, well, one of the byproducts of, of purchasing this upgrade is that Pam gets a house, and it's awesome. It's super cool. And you can either do this anonymously or you're, you can like claim credit for it. And depending on what you do, there's different dialogues. So you find her in... You find her, basically, and she's praying before a sign of the vessel, this Yoba, Yoba statue. And she confesses that she loves the new house, but hasn't been able to cut back on her drinking. So she's still sort of in, in the midst of this, uh, this problem. And she says she thought the new house would change everything, but it didn't. So she ordered the statue, and she looks to you as a, a, then to kind of shed your perspective on this as a, as a good friend of hers. And this is not uncommon in the real world, right? When when people have substance abuse abuse issues, oftentimes like religion or this a system of, of prayer or like these other means of coping with one's problems can become very important in one's life. We don't know if, if prayer and religion uh, in this worshiping Linus, aka Yoba, uh, one hundred percent, like helps her out of her alcoholism, but the but it is it is so I don't know true to life and and accurate and respectful of of the 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 nature of the beast of alcoholism that just getting a new house is not going to fix the problem right like upgrading your living circumstances is not going to solve a coping mechanism that has become compulsive and and out of control. I think the lesson here is actually very real and very touching here. Like I actually had texted this to you when we were talking about Pam's story and this episode. Right. I you as the player can't fix everything, right? You're not the protagonist here. You're not some hero that comes into this town and fixes everyone's problems. These people had these problems before you got here and they will have these problems 
regardless of your presence. Now, your friendship, your outreach, your, you know, you extending an olive branch in some sense to these characters and getting to know them could help them. And it does in Clint's case or in George's case. But again, like we talked about with Marnie and Mayor Lewis, and now here with Pam, your friendship affects the relationship in some way, but it doesn't fix the problem. There's no easy fixes, especially to something as difficult as addiction. And I think, like you said, Concerned Aim took a really realistic approach to this. Buying her a house doesn't just make the addiction go away. Why would it, right? Like, just stop and think about that for a second. Right. A new house is going to make this, like, deep-seated issue that I have in my psyche go away. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Something in your life needs to help you cope with the internal issues that you're having emotionally, mentally, uh, and her turning to religion is that. It's a way for her to see if this will be the thing that will help her cope with this addiction, because the new house wasn't. And in fact, nobody should have thought it would be. That's a very game mechanic thing for us as the player. It's kind of arrogant to think like, oh, I'm a millionaire farm owner, just going to buy her a house and everything will be fine. Like, of course not. And people in the real world think this too. Oh, yeah. And so this is, again, it's just a very bold choice of Concerned Ape, but it's one that makes the world so much more three-dimensional. And again, just to pull back a bit, we got to remind everyone that this is a cheery, bright (laughs) farming simulator. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But again, all of this depth is there. We are not making any of this up. You can go and find all of this stuff in your Stardew Valley game right now if you go look for it. You and I are just doing the classic lore party thing of reading like a hundred times too much into it, but (laughs) that's our thing. So let's wrap up today. I think we've had a really, really good discussion. Let's wrap up today with maybe some lessons we've learned. Yeah. I, I think we've discussed a lot of really dark, heavy topics that some of the characters in Pelican Town are dealing with. But at the same time, we talked about how those arcs played out, how some of those characters' stories played out after you as the player showed up and after you started to get to know these people better and become friends. And I think there's a, there's a lesson in there somewhere. Yeah, 100%. So these, you know, it, it, it's so worth repeating. These are just some examples. And we... <laughs> in our individual playthroughs of the game, may not have encountered some of these relationships because I didn't take the time to get to 10 hearts with everybody, right? Like, I didn't take the time to become best friends with side characters that I that didn't directly impact my characters, like love life and business and things like that. So beyond just enjoying this journey and listening to our podcast, we kind of encourage you to, like, in playing the game, explore those relationships because some of them are really cool and we didn't get to talk about all of them we we kind of intentionally ignored the um there are these complete stories of eligible bachelors and bachelorettes there's so much to explore and we encourage you to because it's all really beautiful and it's it's neat not to mention again this is a farming game (laughs) like (laughs) For the people in the this back. Was, this was just supposed to be Harvest Moon. This is har- What happened? <laughs> this is Harvest Moon, and we're talking about, like, trauma and, and redemption and religion as a, you know, it's, it's wild. If I can sort of give us a wrap-up thought to leave with, 
We've talked about a number of dark topics here, right? Addiction, trauma, just like you said. We've we've touched on these topics that are hard to deal with in real life, and the characters in the game are also finding it tough to deal with. But we also talked about how these arcs played out and the redemptions for some of them. And the connecting thread here for all of them was you as the player entering into these people's lives and becoming friends with them, raising your, you know, gamified quote unquote heart level, but in other ways, learning more about them, being there for them during events and big events in their life, and either pushing them one way or another. And I think that's kind of a beautiful message here. Like there are dark things that everyone deals with in life, but through friendship, through community, through love, we can all become better people or at least help each other through all of this, through this thing called life. It's beautiful. I think realizing that we were going to do an episode that was supposed to be dark yeah. and ending up in a place where the message is so beautiful and bright, it just, thank you, Concerned Ape, you know? <laughs> we have the Thank ab- you, Stardew Valley. We have the ability to write beautiful lore by our actions in the game and in life. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore hardy. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I do really like the idea of, like, locking eyes with Clint at the altar as you're marrying Emily and just being like... (laughs) Game over. <laughs> Just mouthing the words, Emily. <laughs> oh you lose, Clint. <laughs> Your father says Jesus. hello. Your father. <laughs> this is like best friends with Poor Clint's Clint. dad, and Clint's dad's like, Yo, I made my idiot son into a blacksmith. You should go ruin his life and marry his girlfriend. <laughs>